Uh, this is Chris Tannehill coming to you from CNEI. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is our podcast on youth recovery, and this is part two. For those of you that missed part one, it is available and accessible to you. But we're going to continue with part two. I'm, I'm speaking with Brock here. And uh, hey, Brock, catch us up a little bit. Where are we at this point? Uh, I believe we left off um, right around me getting to treatment. Okay. So uh, what was the deciding factor for you in stopping at this point in your life? Or was there one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I was scared, but as weird as it sounds, I was unaware that I was scared. Um, I just knew that, like, waking up blacked out 16 hours later, like, you know, bile all over me, like, those are not normal things. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I crossed the line from where it was, like, fun on a regular basis, and then it became, like, highly dependent, and then it became, like, you know, sickening. Okay, so, I mean, that kind of leads into my next question. I mean, I thought it was fun. I mean, why not try to just remain loaded at this point in your life. I mean, that was the ultimate goal was, you know, there's no consequences. So why would I stop? And then I never had legal consequences or anything like that. Never got caught doing anything that I had done. But um, the consequences I was facing were like health wise. And uh, it was pretty scary. I just I was unaware of any of that, you know, what I was doing to my body, to be honest. Um, But they say that you cross that invisible line where, you know, oh, it's fun, and then it's not. And I couldn't tell you when that happened, but I just remember realizing that I had passed that line a long time ago. Let me ask you something else. Do you have to want to stop to get clean and sober? I don't know. That's a loaded question. I feel like it's it helps. I mean, getting clean, getting sober, this whole recovery thing, it's so hard in every aspect. Um, and people have challenges through the entire thing. Um, so any part of it that you can get to help you through, like wanting it, needing it, you know, going through the work, um, all of those are going to help. Um, but you know, wanting it, I don't think that everybody I've seen get clean wanted it at first. I think that something was introduced to them that they were naive to, and they were kind of made aware that they don't have to stay stuck. Okay. What if you want to stop, but you want to stay loaded at the same time? There's some folks that are going to be right down the middle. I remember I had a similar experience. You know, I want want to get sober, but I don't want to give this up. I mean, (laughs) what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, you'll see a lot of people go into treatment and they're, you know, addicted to meth or heroin or whatever. And they'll be like, well, you know, I want to stop doing those Those are bad, but I just still want to drink heavily and smoke weed on the weekends. And it's like, that's a realistic goal for an addict. Like, you think that that's a good idea. I did. I did the same thing. I thought that was a great idea. I'm like, this isn't going to be a problem. Those were never my issue. But little did I know that once I became like loaded and I was you know, not thinking as clearly, I just ran back to the old drug that I was stuck on. Okay, I understand. The, uh, there's a statement that when people are ready to change, nothing can stop us. But when we are not ready, nothing or nobody can help us. The, um, you, so you were ready at this point. And let me ask you, uh, what was the process you went through? I mean, what did treatment entail? Um. You know, I don't know how ready I was. I was just willing to not do what I was doing Um, because I didn't know what treatment entailed. I was, I I mean, I went to the little detox. That wasn't treatment. So when I got to the Walker Center in Gooding, Idaho, it was a culture shock. Like I had no idea what these groups were, what they were talking about. I mean, a regular day in treatment is like, you know, super structured and it's meant to give you some, you know, 
basis on how to live your life on a, you know. Okay. Were, were you scared? I was scared. I was terrified. Terrified. I was so terrified. I had to get, we had a Jeep Grand Cherokee when I was in high school. My mom had one. And we had like this tarp in the back that we would let the dog lay down on. She put all the seats down and I had to get loaded to the point where I blacked out for them to get me in the car to go. Because I wanted to go, but every time I'd get right to where I was about to leave, I'd bolt out the door to get high again. And explain explain what that fear is. What are you afraid of? Uh, I mean, then I didn't know. But now I think it's... Losing a sense of self, losing the only constant I had in my life. You know, like getting loaded was my solution to all the problems I had. It wasn't my problem. Um, and it was the only thing that was always around. Like friends, change, families, you know, crazy, whatever. That was like the only constant I had in my life. And giving that up is like, you know, throwing your identity away. Well, I'll tell you, how about this? Yeah, that's a great answer, by the way. Did you feel the process you were going through was going to work? Did you feel it was bullshit? What, what, did, what was your impression? You can start with detox if you want. Um, I don't know. I, I went through the detox and, like, you know, they gave me the routine meds and helped me weem off, you know, Suboxone, the whole shebang. And, uh, I mean, it, it helped, but I ended up kicking. I felt, like, harder after I came off of the Suboxone. Um and I wasn't really, I wasn't really aware of what detox was. And when I finally came out, like after like seven or eight days, and I was a little less foggy, started showing up to groups, listening to lectures. They were talking about AA and all this stuff. I thought it was all wacko shit. I thought it was like, <laughs> like they say it's a cult. I thought it was for real, like a cult, Scientology. Like it's you know all bad. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I just knew I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing. So I wasn't ready to subscribe to, you know, the program as my answer. I just knew that, you know, okay, I'm in treatment. They're going to help me get clean. And for all I thought, I was going to leave treatment and not use again, just on my own power, which was, you know, far from reality. <laughs> another, no, another great answer there. I got a question. Did anyone working there help you understand any better or inspire you to change at all? Yeah. Uh, the counselor I had. He was uh, one of few paid employees at this place I went to, um, from my understanding. And he's, he was like 20-something years sober, um, like a biker gang, um, just a hardcore dude. And uh, unlike everyone else in my life that had just kind of like put a Band-Aid on everything and were really soft, like they didn't want me to run. He didn't do that. He shot it straight. He told me exactly like it was basically told me I was an idiot and I was going to die. And uh, nobody had said it like that before. And it just kind of hit home that somebody wasn't going to, you know, excuse my French, bullshit me again. Because everybody in my life didn't want to tell me how everything really was. And, uh, you know, for the first time in a long time, somebody was just being honest. Yeah. That approach doesn't work for everybody, by the way. But for me, it did work. It It got through a stubborn teenager's head enough for me to be like, Okay, maybe this guy knows something that I don't. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, let's clarify. I mean, my experience going into treatment, I was also terrified. I'd also seen enough of life that I shouldn't have been, but I was terrified. But what did happen was uh, the the counselor who approached me, she knew enough to use kid gloves. I was wounded. I was done. I didn't want to go through it, but she knew enough that if she maybe threatened me and said, "But you know, that gentleman said to you," I'd have bolted. 
Yeah. I said, screw you. I'm out of here. So what ended up happening was she used kid gloves, and that was enough to make me want to stay. I felt like somebody finally cared about me. So yeah. I said, I'm, I'm going to come back. And, and now working in treatment for how long I have, I've seen the flip side of that and how that's so helpful for others. But I just, for the demographic that I was, like this stubborn, hard-headed, didn't like authority, wouldn't listen to anything you had to say, I mean, I was closed off to every conversation I was having. The only hope he had was to just, like, get me to break down my wall immediately. Like, he hit it with a bulldozer. <laughs> and it was, you know, thank God he did. Was there a moment of clarity for you? I know they talk about that program-wise, but was there a moment of clarity for you where you had that little meeting with yourself that said, okay, well, I mean, did it come after this man's conversation, or what can you tell me about that? I think just getting... I think getting out of the fog, you know, they say there's a fog, which is basically you just, you're not clear enough to make a good decision. Um, staying in treatment long enough, taking enough direction, um, it allowed me to make a clear cut life choice or like kind of start mapping out like where things went wrong. What am I doing? What do I need to do? And, uh, you know, I had friends that were, had already started dying. I had multiple friends in prison. So it was just like, like my life is it like here's a crossroads like you can take this path and go back the way you were going that's great no it's not or you can go this way and these people all seem kind of happy i mean they're kind of like dorks or whatever but like <laughs> you know they're happy and that's kind of what i i was more attracted to that than you know prison time they uh, they ask you to do a lot of things in treatment and uh, bed making is one of them a bunch of little tasks I have a comment on that, but what was your reaction to the rules and regulations that they presented you? I hated it. I hated it so much. I was, like I said, I, I was so stubborn. I was just, I was a little asshole kid. Like, I just didn't want to listen to anything they had to say. I hated authority. I hated the structure. It didn't make any sense to me. Like, why am I going to make it? I'm going to go lay down in it in like three more hours. Um, but I mean, you know, years down the road, I see it. And it's like, you know, that Navy SEAL, um, you know, was like a lieutenant or whatever. It gives that commencement speech and he's talking about the one small thing a day yeah. and making your bed and what a difference that makes and it's you know building self-esteem through esteemable acts and all of that stuff it made a difference once I started doing it but I didn't understand why and I didn't see that I didn't see it happening it was happening against my better judgment I think that's one of the things treatment and and just recovery in general you, you might not understand that the understanding follows yeah. it's like you take the test first then you get the information What's interesting is I, I pursued the why bed making, and you hit it. It's these little tasks, these short-term goals, and that sense of order. And if you can do 100 little things you don't like to do every day, that when you leave, you know, and you want to make a decision based on self and something doesn't go your way, that you can go do something hard again, which is get back on track. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, let me ask you, what was the uh, one lasting thing you felt treatment gave you? Um, at the time... It was just the clarity and the direction um, when I left. Because, I mean, my thought process was so jaded when I got there. Um, not to say it wasn't, you know, 60 days later or whatever, but it was so much better than when I arrived. Um, but now I realize that, you know, what they gave me was, you know, an introduction. And, you know, they planted a seed to let me understand that I didn't have to do what I was doing. All of the other stuff, I could throw everything else by the wayside. The instruction, the videos, all of that can be gone. What they did give me that was most important was letting me know that there's a reality that's beyond what I was living. 
When you left treatment, were you scared? Were you confident? All of it. Okay. I mean, I was terrified of, you know, what was I going to do? You know, is my family going to accept me? Are my, you know, old friends going to take me? But I was worried about stuff that didn't matter. Um, but then I was also, like, excited to see what life had in store because I'd been throwing all of my goals and hobbies and everything away for years. So I kind of had this opportunity to pick up where I left off. I'll tell you what, I had one more question for you, but you, you just answered it. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up uh, Youth Recovery Part 3 here in a second. But, uh, hey, thank you for listening to Part 2. This is myself, Chris Tannehill and Brock. And uh, be good to each other.